Good morning, students. Good afternoon. Good evening, whenever you are listening to this. Um, I'm not able to be in a very quiet place today to complete this lecture. So uh, more than likely, you're going to hear a bunch of cars passing by. So I apologize for that. But let's get started with research methods. So for week um, three and week four, you're really focusing on research methods. Um, first of all, in week three, you're focusing because you're trying to understand how do we as sociologists research different topics. And then for week four, you're looking at the topic of cannabis, which is your final project. And you are starting to figure out what is your method of research. Well, kind of go back on that you all are doing interviews but what are the certain aspects of interviews that we have to take into consideration on the lecture page for research methods I've posted I believe two or three different examples of research in what it means and how we as researchers go and um, evaluate this and gather data so the first one that you have is Facebook and emotional contagion. And I think this is a really interesting study because the research is really interesting because many of us still use, or it is kind of part of our main um, means of communication, we use social media. Some of you might not, but and that's totally fine. Um, but many of us still use Facebook. Many of us still use Instagram, TikTok, um, there's Reddit, although we might not think that's social media, but it's still a way to communicate with others. So that's something you want to think about. And also understanding how much power these companies have um, as they're disseminating information to us, right? Because just think about uh, YouTube or think about your things that you research in or in on your computer. Let's say you start researching, oh, you know, I'm going to start researching, you know, cannabis. You're going to start putting in cannabis, marijuana in your search bar, right? All of a sudden in your, you know, ads, you're going to start seeing um, different things about cannabis. You're going to start seeing different things about marijuana. Um, it, this is, it happens a lot it, to me, what I notice in YouTube. And I'm like, oh, okay. Um, I think I just recently noticed on my Instagram that some of the ads that are popping up are regarding my dog because I just got her um, groomed. So we were looking for a new groomer and all of a sudden we have, or my page has all these different um, dog ads coming up. So, you know, um, I am very aware that we are kind of surveyed all the time. We want to realize that our information is out there and different people or different companies, especially social media giants, are manipulating that data. So uh, just think about that as you, as we all use social media. Here we are. But with Facebook, please make sure you've read that uh, article in kind of understanding what Facebook was doing. So literally they were just changing the ads or changing what kind of information they were portraying on different people's feeds. 
the issue was that nobody gave consent to be part of this research, right? So some were getting uh, positive posts and some were getting negative posts. And that they were kind of trying to see how, after they saw these different posts, how the person would, um, you know, feel, meaning like, what would they post after that? What would they send? Would they send this post out? What would their feelings be? So again, the controversy is that Facebook users were not asked whether they wanted to participate in the study. And it is assumed that the Facebook data use policy to which every user agrees and like how many of us actually read that? I mean, some of you, if you've read that, good for you because I should really read a lot of things, our user agreements that we have. Like we don't read our contracts. So all these people have our information. So for the use, da use data policy um, to which, again, every user agrees, they had informed users that their data might be used for such research purposes. But again, um, where's the line, right? And that was one of the biggest issues regarding this. I had two videos in the lecture, so make sure you kind of watch those and kind of analyze that. What you all want to look at is, okay, what ethical issues are raised by this study? If there's none, then, you know, good to go. If there are some, what are the issues? And could Facebook have addressed the hypothesis without explicitly manipulating the content of the newsfeed? You know what I mean? Like, if they would have just left it as it as is, without actually going in there and putting in more positive content or putting in more negative content, um, would they have received the same information or same data? And who knows, right? And then, you know, I had some um, aspect over here about regarding the ethical issues, you know, you need informed consent, you know, understanding what kind of project you're going to be part of, and then the design issue regarding that. So make sure as you are going through this lecture, you are reading those portions. Um, and then I wanted to highlight the ethics of social research, right? So the first is do no harm. In everything that we do as researchers, we cannot be doing any harm to our participants. That is the main thing. Like whatever research that you're planning on doing, you're not there to abuse your research participants. Informed consent. Your participants need to know what the study entails. You don't have to tell them the whole project, right? But giving them a general idea what the project's about and also them knowing that they could just opt out of the project whenever they want to, right? They can leave and say no to questions that you ask. That has to be established quite early on. And then that goes to ensuring uh, voluntary participation. So again, if the participant says, you know what, I'm done with this whole research, I don't want to do it. And if they say, you know what, you can't use my data, that's pretty much it. You can't use it. So those are some of the um, ethics of social research. For um, sociology and pretty much most of research, you have quantitative research and qualitative research. So quantitative research is the one with the numbers. You know, you're using uh, numerical data. Um, and I'm going to read the text that I have here is that quantitative research, research that translates the social world into numbers that can be treated mathematically. And you can kind of think about, you know, August Comte, how he wanted to uh, create uh, science about so society to, you know, 
analyze it numerically. And then you have qualitative research, research that works with non-numerical data such as text, field notes, interview transcripts, photographs, and tape recordings. This is always a fun type of research also because we are giving, allowing the participants to explain their position and their worldview. And having quantitative and qualitative research together really gives your project uh, something really solid to stand on, right? But then again, both of these quantitative and qualitative research on their own are very good as well. So don't ever think that, oh, okay, just because it's talking about quantitative research, like the numbers, that always has to be correct because as human beings, social beings that we are, we view the world differently. And again, with sociologists, and as you're in this class, you always need to step back and to really understand what is going on in this person's world, right? What's going on with this group over here? Because just think about um, our view right now. Let's think about, we can go with millennials and Gen Y, right? completely different aspects of how they view the world. And so that's really important to uh, kind of conceptualize and think about because Gen Y might have a different view of how they view high school compared to the millennials, right? Um, whatever that may be. I can't even think of an example right now, but... Um, or I think a good one will be, um, let's think about music. And I think, oh, one of your classmates, I can't uh, think of the name. I might have been Jacob. I'm not sure, but talked about how he likes 90s music. So millennials obviously are going to be like, yeah, that was my type of music. Uh, that was like, what? In our minds, it's like 10 years ago. But for Gen Y, it's like, no, that was like 30 years ago. The 90s music, it was like 30 years ago. So our concept of time also changes, right? And then we have the scientific method, which this is pretty much the same with all research. So you identify a problem or ask a question, conduct a literature review, which you all will be doing, form a hypothesis, give operational definitions to variables, choose a research design or method. For us, we are doing interviews, collect data, that is your interviews, analyze data, and disseminate findings. So pretty simple with that. The next thing I wanted to talk about was power and authority, ideology and knowledge. And as you are doing this project, you are focusing on the marijuana industry. And again, I want to highlight that this topic, even though again, in California, it's like, it's legal, good to go. People have very strong views on this, whether that be, you know, looking at it from a personal perspective, looking at their values, um, having ideas about what drugs are. There are just multiple aspects of understanding uh, the simple plant of marijuana, okay? You as a researcher obviously have some power, okay? Because you are going to be picking your participants whether that be your friends, whether that be your parents, whether that be your cousins, family members, uh, co-workers, whoever it is, right? When you're asking questions about cannabis, your participants might be hesitant to answer certain questions. Um, and they also might be very open to answering questions, right? 
So we have to keep that in mind. And I have the three points in the lecture, and I just wanted to highlight those in this um, audio lecture. So three ways researchers have power. The researcher has more control than the research over the process of research and how their relationship is constructed in it, right? So this, again, is kind of like, okay, so you're creating your research. You're beginning to understand your concept of it. You're doing the interview, and then you are going to be analyzing the interview from your perspective, right? Which is subjective. But again, we need to remember, again, we have to step back and use our sociological imagination, and look at our participant, understand their age, understand their culture, understand their values of why they have this idea of cannabis, okay? Number two, the researcher has the power over how the findings are interpreted and represented to others. Pretty much what I stated. Because you're going to be presenting this to me and your classmates. So whatever you interpret, that's what we're going to see. Number three, the researcher often have more social power than those whom they study because of their relative privilege, position, and social structure of inequality, such as those organizing uh, gender, race, ethnicity, class, and nation. And this is also goes to you as students. You have a certain privilege as students because now we are asking you to be researchers, and then you are going to go talk to either your friends, your family members, and obviously they all know you're a student. So it's like, okay, so you're doing research on a topic. You're going to know more about it. And then you're asking my, you know, thoughts on it. So again, as a interview interviewer, you have power as a student. So we just need to keep those in check um, as we move along. I think the quote that uh, Joey Sprague and I hope I say her last name right, but I feel like I'm not saying it right, um, states about research is really good, and I want to highlight this for you all, um, and hopefully you've already read it in the lecture. So, in contemporary Western society, scholarly research has a privileged position in determining the content of what people in the society accept as official knowledge. Policymakers legitimate their decisions by citing research journals, talk show hosts, popular, and textbook authors, and policymakers apply their own standards in selecting from a broad and somewhat diverse body of research. Yeah, so we do use research, and we, again, got to make sure what kind of research we're using, okay? Researchers' decisions about what to study, how to study it, how to make sense of what they find, and what to do with their findings create limits on what is available for others to propagate. Scholarly research puts some constraints on what is thinkable and prompts us to think in certain ways. So again, I'm asking you all to research cannabis. And all of you have your own point of view of it, what you think of it. Some of you might be completely against it. Some of you might have no clue about it and are like, okay, well, so what do I need to know? And some of you might be advocates for the legalized or since it's legal, but the continual uh, use of it, right? So we need to keep that in mind. And obviously our research dictates how we're going to use it, right? So um, whether that might be something that you decide to study cannabis and its medical benefits and if it's actually necessary for it to be 
legal recreationally or should it just be uh, medicinally? Or maybe you're thinking of doing research as we're looking at how it's expanding that, you know what, um, it's pushing out a lot of the smaller shops who've been in this industry way longer, right? The mom and pop shops that now have all these um, fees and taxes that are added on to uh, making their dispensary legal. And the only ones that are being able to proceed with having um, a cannabis store or cannabis front dispensary, whatever, um, are those who have money and has to be cash money. You cannot do anything in the cannabis industry with credit cards or whatnot because federally it's still illegal. So we have to keep that in mind as well. So there's a lot of things going on with that. So do we actually want cannabis to be this part of this whole um, corporate world or do we want to keep it small? Now for your research, you all are creating questions and you have to create open-ended questions. And what that means, it allows the respondent to answer any way they want. So you cannot be asking your um, participants, do you think cannabis should be legal? That's a yes or no question. That doesn't allow for more uh, discussion because your participant can just say no and that's it, okay? So when you're thinking of your questions, you need to think of questions that are something where your participants can elaborate on it. We could ask questions like, since cannabis is legal, how do we keep children from accessing it? Or going something with, in your opinion, why is there still a stigma uh, with mothers for using cannabis? Something like that. So you want to uh, elicit a response from your uh, interviewees to give you data. That's why you're asking questions. And one of the reasons when we think about research methods and how we go about this is some of the issues that there have been in research. Um, so in the 1940s, the Nuremberg Military Tribunals and this really focused on World War II and the atrocities that happened during the Holocaust uh, by German doctors, especially with the atrocities that happened to the Jewish population was horrible. Experiments done on them that you all can go Google if you want, but I'm pretty sure you've read about this in history in some of your other classes. But... You know, obviously, since they were in these concentration camps, they had no say-so of anything on their body, nothing. So you had these doctors doing experiments on them from, you know, like horrible, horrible experiments. So, um, you know, something to keep in mind and why there's certain ways that we follow with research. Which then leads me to the Tuskegee syphilis study. And again, this is one of the reasons why a lot of times people do not trust the government at all. Um, there's a lot of other studies that the government has done where it has harmed specific populations and how we need to understand what happened here. So um, the whole story is that we needed to figure out how to um, cure syphilis uh, 
a sexually transmitted disease. Not the fun thing if you've seen some pictures on Google. Um, actually, don't go and look at pictures, but, you know, if you've gone down the dark hole of Google, you might have seen that. So this uh, syphilis study went from 1932 to 1972. I can't just off my head remember when the, um, mind you, I believe it was 1947, 1948, somewhere there, um, penicillin was used to cure syphilis, okay? So keep that in mind. And again, this study went on for 40 years. So what happened was that these gentlemen, I think there was about 400 of them, were the study participants, right? Obviously, they were given informed consent. I'm using that in quotes because really they didn't know what was happening. They were just pretty much you sign and we're going to be studying you. And the only doctor you're going to be going to is at this government agency. Okay, so the government pretty much stated, hey, this is where you're going to go and we're just going to study you. Never were they informed of any kind of cure for them. They were just studying the process of what syphilis did to the body. So obviously we have to think about race because they were all black men. We have to think about class. All of them were lower class um, men who were who had families and who had children. So not only was this disease affecting them, it was going to affect their wives and also their children. So everything changed, I think it was 1972, when actually it was like, oh, you know what? This is <laughs> not good, you know, and, you know, blew the cover. So this is one of the reasons, and I'm just giving you the very bare minimum story of that because I believe your book talks a little bit more in depth about that and you can watch some videos regarding it. Actually, I can put a video up as well but just understanding that again when we come back to 2021 and what we're living in right now and when people are stating hey you need to get the vaccine um you want to think about the different groups in our united states how they've been treated by the united states government right so there's different hesitancy to uh, get a vaccine or if the government states something, you're going to follow along, right? Um, this goes for our black community. This goes for our Native American community. Um, this goes for women. Um, just having this idea that the government's going to state something and you just have to do it because if your relationship, if your past relationship with the government has not been good, what makes it you think that tomorrow is going to be a better day, right? So I have a podcast episode that I all, all want you to listen to, and it's from Small Town Dicks, okay? So this is a detective podcast, and I think this one was an interesting episode because it talked about ethics and research. And one of my colleagues actually shared this with me, and I was like, oh, I'm going to share this with my students as well, because it goes really well with understanding research methods. So make sure you're reading, I mean, not reading, but listening to this podcast, because you do have a question about it in your Flipgrid assignment. Just to highlight, you know, there's some things in there um, that I'm not completely like, okay, they're, it's not like the best way to describe something. I mean, I'm thinking as a sociologist. However, I think just 
understanding what happened in this situation and where was the informed consent? Who was doing this research? Why would you do this research? Those are certain things you want to um, look at. And I must highlight also that um, there's some vulgar language spoken in here and just it's a, it's a very interesting um, episode where I was the whole time I was like, what is happening right now? So just for all of you to kind of check out. Okay, so that's pretty much it for me for today. So I'm going to call it quits and talk to you all later. Bye.